As most of you know, we've been doing a series, uh, we finished a series on finances called Balance, and I so much appreciate um, Tony and Candice sharing. That is such a great testimony. How when I, I told you, sometimes when you decide to get out of debt or you decide to, to do something about your debt and your slavery, God does the strangest things. And as you can see, God was doing incredible things uh, above and beyond what their income was. Um, I experienced that this last week. Uh, we had broken our car. Our car has been breaking down, and uh, our water heater first broke first, and it had cost thirteen hundred dollars. We had that in savings, and then, it, but it but it ruined the drywall and it ruined the parts of the house, the flooring. So I had to uproot that, and our house is still kind of a under construction zone. But that was okay because we didn't want to go into debt because of that reason. So my temptation was to hire workers and and, and pay them all kinds of money, use our credit card, and I didn't. And then our car was starting to break down. And then, uh, so in a conversation with Cam, with our parents, we weren't asking for it, we were just, just sharing our life. Her dad says, I will take care of whatever you need. And I'm like, I was like, whoa, father-in-law. <laughs> I did marry into the right family, apparently. <laughs> um, and so he, he helped us get a, uh, a, a 30,000-mile used Japanese engine, and I found one in Southgate. Now, ironically, I grew up in Southgate. So I went back to the, what's up? <laughs> to my hometown. And uh, we were looking for an engine in the valley, and we had called Katie, and they were helping us. They, they knew a guy, they had it done. So, so my father-in-law chips in 2500 bucks for a new engine. Install everything, new, new water pump, new time belt, fired up. And I called this company up, and he says, we'll do it for you. We'll take care of you. Bring the car in. And he was such a great guy. I said, man, what's your name, man? He's like, Jesus. <laughs> if you're in the Latin community, it's called Jesus. And I was like, Jesus? Father-in-law? Staying out of debt? God does some of the strangest things. When you want to deal with your life, God will come to your aid. And that's what we experienced. That's what Candy and Tony experienced. I'm with you. It was awesome. Okay, our, our lesson for today, I'm going to turn this on, uh, is about uh, really the concept of every organization that you're involved in, uh, that you work for, or you've been involved in, they, it is very helpful to go and uncover what you've been assuming and how you've been operating on an assumption. Now, every decision that usually businesses make is usually off an assumption. Now, sometimes their assumptions are wrong, and sometimes they're partly right, but not fully leveraged. But if you work for an organization, you understand that you operate under certain assumptions in your business, in your work, in your environment. And some are false, and they're exposed to light of committees and groups and, and focus groups. You get, you get input and data, and sometimes you realize, hey, We've been assuming the wrong thing. And so you decide to change them. Sometimes you don't see them, and sometimes they get buried, and you continue to, to work in an organization, but you're, you're bearing the, the reality, and you're living off the assumption. Okay, You deal with that in your life, in your parenting. There are certain assumptions you make. Having the talk with your children about uh, things of Mother Nature, birds and the bees. You know, sometimes we assume... 
Well, they don't really understand. They're not ready for that yet. But in fact, some, the assumption could be they're learning from it in their, from their schoolmates and you don't know it. So you could be operating under a false assumption. So you, you deal in this reality all the time, whether it's your parenting, whether it's your marriage. Your wife's assuming that you cleaned the house while she was gone. She's not that assumption. And she gets home and the reality hits. And you're like, there's, there's dog hair everywhere. The trash is not taken out. The, the plates are piled up in the sink. She was under the assumption that you were going to be an awesome husband. Right? And then when reality hits, you're like, she's like, ah, oh, what happened? Okay? We, we do it in so many things. We do it in our life. We're so busy that we just start to assume that everything is happening according to plan. And in reality, sometimes it is not. And we make these assumptions. And there's a universal church assumption that I want to talk to you this morning about. The universal church, not just our church, but every church. And it doesn't make sense, but it's what drives church culture. Since you were a little boy, since you were a little girl, you experienced this. And the assumption, as we dig through it, you would agree that it's not the right assumption. Here's the assumption. The assumption is that church culture believes that God takes attendance. We grew up in churches where everything, the most important thing in church was your attendance. Because they believe that God takes attendance. Hmm. Chris Kanak is not here. We're not going to give him a little, little tardy note. Okay. Tim Hoy gets a sticker. He didn't fall asleep. He did not fall asleep in church today. We're going to give Tim Hoy a sticker. Oh, oh, they brought their Bible and they actually opened it. That's a sticker. And we live a lot under assumption that God is watching our attendance because they believe it is the most important thing. That's why you hear people say, I got to get to church. I got to get my son back to church. Now, I think church is important and it's awesome. But it is not the main, most important thing in your life. And we're going to get to what's, what that assumption. We're going to correct it. But that's the assumption. When I was growing up, you had to be in church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I had to be there. My parents had to get me there. Or they have someone drive me there. And you, had, you're, you, you, you would go to these church services and you would be bored out of your mind saying, Why am I here? I hate this. What's going on? Why else would people go to a boring church service every Sunday? Because they think there's value in it. They think there's value in it. I can already see by your face, you think, are you saying I don't have to be at church? (laughs) Right? Right? We're going to talk about that. That's a big deal. But it's not the most important issue. Being at church is about fellowship. But we grew up under the assumption that God is watching and tends to drink a Bible today. If you didn't, you don't get a sticker. Ah, this is the assumption. And so they think that spiritual formation is based on, on attendance. If you grew up in our church, we used to have this concept going, if you had a lot of people at church, you had a good attendance. And then you had a great, if you had, if you had a few more, you had a great attendance. If you had a couple more, you had an awesome attendance. God is surely with you. If you had a good one, eh, eh, you're good. But you're awesome. Because we, we so much focus that we think the only thing that's so important to God is church attendance. And what God says is actually different. And there's a secret. I'll tell you why. That's the culture. I'll tell you a little secret of, of, of church stuff, business. The reason why the churches have built this culture in into your brain, into your heart for so many years 
is that this is where the money is collected to pay the bills. That's why they do it. They focus everything on you being here so you can give to support the work. And they made that the most top priority in culture. But that is not what God sees as a top priority. Right? If you miss church, if you're going to spend some time with your kids on the weekend, God is not going to run over and go, Oh, you weren't at church. Orlando Valdez was not here. He doesn't do that. But, we, but that's how we're raised, going, ha, ha, ha. But the secret is that that's where funds are created to, to keep the ministry going and, and do great things. But it is not the most important. Let us take a look at what's the most important thing. Because you're not necessarily a better person or closer to God by sitting in this row. It doesn't make you a better person by sitting here. And it certainly doesn't make you closer to God by sitting here. But the danger is, if we substitute attendance for the thing that makes the difference, that's what's what's important. And the big difference is this. We grew up in homes that it was emphasized over and over and over. And we resisted it. Not because we didn't like it. Because it, it just didn't make sense to us. Here's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that what we do daily, not where we go on Sunday, is what makes the difference in our lives. You guys have seen people who go to church on Sunday and live recklessly on Monday. And we grew up with that maybe in your parent, in your household. You saw your mom and dad do it. You saw your cousins do it. You saw it. We saw it. That because the emphasis was, hey, if I'm at church on Sunday, it doesn't matter how I live on Monday. And God says it matters how you live on Monday. And when you open the New Testament, the issue is not where you go on Sunday, but what you do on Monday. Let's take a look at Jesus. And he, get, and, he, and he says this uh, after talking about false teachers and false prophets and beware. And not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter heaven. Not everyone's going to make it. He says, listen to this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Everyone who hears these words of mine on Sunday, when you're here, Right? You hear them. But on Monday, and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. When the rain came down, the streams rose, and blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundations on the rock. Let's go over that one more time. If you hear these words of mine and put them into practice, if you want value, if you want to see a difference, it's what you apply on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That is the difference. That is of higher value to God than you trying to come on Sunday and and just sit in a row and think your life's going to be different. Because you think there's value in coming to church. There is. But there's more value in putting it into practice. It is applying the words of Jesus. It is of more value. Of more value than the culture says, just be at church on Sunday and everything's going to be okay. It, and we saw it. And our parents got divorced. And they were churchgoers. 
We saw it and we see it. We see it in our culture today. People go to, go to church and they're still getting divorced. And kids are raised, 40% of kids in America are raised without their father at home. Why is that? And that's in the southern states. That's in the most religious states. Our divorce rate in Southern California is so high, it's staggering. When I come back from Norway, in the mission trip, I'm going to do a lesson, a series called Staying in Love. Because it's easy to fall in love. It's another story to stay in love. Yeah. To fall in love, all you need is a pulse and a heartbeat. I can fall in love. I can fall in love. To stay in love is another thing. And we're going to talk about that. So I want you to bring your friends to that. Bring all your married couple friends to that. Because we're going to talk about how to be married and how to stay married. Amen. We're going to put the words of Jesus into practice. That's, and then Peter, or James, the brother of Jesus, comes along. And he says this. In James 1 verse 22. You can open your Bibles there and look at this for yourself. He says, do not merely listen to the word at church. And so deceive yourself. Because sometimes when you come, if, if Sunday is the most important thing, I, I listened, and I was here, and I was at church, I am awesome. Now I'm going to live how I really want to live. No. Don't merely listen to the word and deceive yourself. Don't sit in rows and think, look at me. Do what it says. It's exactly what Jesus was saying. He says it more bluntly. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says, is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what he looked like. You know, when you go in front of a mirror, and you notice that there's something wrong with your appearance, we stand in front of the mirror until what? Until something changes. Right? If you see a little booger hang dangling from your nostril, you don't look in the mirror. And you don't go, oh, it's fine. I'm good. You're going to make sure, you know, you're going to do this. You're going to tilt it back. And you're going to look in deep in there. Because you are not going to walk out of the house with something dangling from your nostril. I appreciate my friends when they say, Gio, you got something right here. I'm like, you are a true friend. My other friends were like, didn't say nothing. What's the matter with you? Ladies, when you get up in the morning and you look into the mirror, you don't leave until everything's right. You don't look in the mirror and say, it's cool. You just don't do that. You don't leave the house until you go. You look right, your shoes match, the blouse, everything's got to be in order. Same thing with guys. I mean, not, not everybody does that. You, you, look, you think some people are like, you look at some people, you're going, do they have a mirror? Yeah. Do they own a mirror? They went out like, what? Some people just give up. Just walk out of the house. <laughs> My point is, God says, you don't get credit. You get no credit for looking into the mirror. You get no credit for looking in the mirror. I look in the mirror. No, he says, do something about what's in the mirror. And spiritually, what our mirror is, it is the Bible. Is the Bible is the mirror. When you look at it, going, wow, something's off or something's not right. Well, I got something right there. Well, whoa, 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 my heart. Do something about it. 
be determined not to walk away and say, no, no, I'm good spiritually. I was at church on Sunday, but I live recklessly on Monday. He says, do something about it. Okay, but not doing something about it, not doing something about the mirror is like defending a bad hair day. You ever try to do that? Where you, got, you, you just went for it. I, 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 I got to go. And you laugh and your, and your hair's like, what? And you're like trying to defend the bad hair day. We don't do that. We just say, oh, I messed up. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law, that's the mirror we're talking about, that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. He will be blessed. When you start living in a different way, you live a blessed life. But when you leave these doors today, when you leave this afternoon, how you engage your husband, how you engage your wife, how you engage your children, how you treat each other this afternoon on Monday is what matters most to God. Not that you came and you sat here on Sunday. There is value in being here in the fellowship, in communion with each other. There is value with that. And our church is very unique. We are relational. We By that I mean we want to know each other. We invite each other in our homes. We do this, and this is part of the doing, not just Sunday service. We are not content. Our church is not content just by filling roles. It's why we continually emphasize when people come to visit us and want to know us, we emphasize one thing, get into a circle, get into a small group. It's important to us and God that we have relationships with each other. We believe that being in a small group uh, it, it really bridges the, the, the biblical concept with your real world. It bridges it. We believe we do better with accountability in our lives. Church rows don't give you accountability. It's hello, see you later next Sunday. Hello, next Sunday. We believe being in a small group gives you some accountability that we all need. We all want. Because what we do is heavily influenced by who by who we do life with. I am, I'm influenced by the people I spend time with. They influence my life. Who you do life with on Monday through Friday overrides the things you hear in the row on Sundays. I want to experience life as a, as a Christian. And people are starving for this. They go to church on Sunday and they're hoping that it's just all going to magically happen. And it doesn't. Because when I say get in a small group, you're still going like, I'm not, I'm too embarrassed to get in a small group. That's why when you come on Sunday, it's important, but not the most important, we help you connect to get into a small group. So when you come on Sunday, some of the things you're going to experience is, hi, where do you live? How are you doing? Oh, it's great. It's awesome. Hey, hey, let's have lunch. Let's get together. Let's go. And then they introduce you to a smaller group of people that are like-minded and they're trying to pursue the life of Christianity. Amen. But you won't just jump in if you don't know anybody. That's why coming on Sunday is important. So you can connect with each other. But it's not the most important. It's underneath that concept of connecting people into a group. Now, we've all had wrong place, wrong people moments, right? 
Yeah, I was like, wrong place, wrong, I hung out the wrong people, and man, it's not good. And we got stories that we can share. You know, but we hear about people making good changes and uh, have seen, seen the right people, the right time. We want to get involved in that. That attracts people to, to you. So we just don't want to fill rows. We want to fill kitchens. We want to fill living rooms. We want to fill, you know, dining tables. You know, last night we had an incredible time. We had the revisos and the bevers over. We ate. We, had, we were merry. We were enjoying each other. And we, had, we had great talks. Great just get to know and get deep with each other. It was awesome. Kids are playing upstairs, having a ruckus, destroying the house. Who cares? It's the Lord knows. Anyway, you know, have fun, kids. Knock yourself out. It was awesome. <laughs> groups, small groups, they bridge the gap. They bridge the gap between information and application. It's hard to take a Sunday lesson on your own and try to, you know, you need like-minded people helping you along the way, encouraging you. You know, we had lunch with the, uh, the Sanchez yesterday too in Ventura. It was awesome spending time and laughing. And eating lunch, and he's making, you know, barbecue hot dogs, and we learned some new cooking techniques from Renee. Yeah. He's a wizard. He's awesome. We had a great time. It was just fun to be around. We laughed. We joked. The story of my life was a theme of, of, of our time. You know, the little band. I love to make fun and love to have fun. We like small groups because it's predictable. I'm going to see you, I'm going to connect with you. It's going to happen. We don't just rely on Sundays. It's a healthy environment. You know, we have couples. We, I mean, we, have, we have couples that get together for, for, for Christian time, disciple time. We have kids get together. We have, we have group meetings. We, have, we meet together all the men, and we have a small group time for local stuff, where you guys can just talk to each other. I mean, it's awesome. So if you have a group, it's time to re-engage. Maybe, maybe you've been on the periphery. Maybe you've been like, I haven't made time. I've been busy. I've been doing other things. And maybe it's time for you to re-engage your group. And when you do that, you'll see a big difference in your life. Or maybe if you're visiting and you're with us or you've reconnected with our church after many years, maybe it's time for you to re-engage and and, and connect yourself with like-minded people who want to really live the Christian principles. Because if you're not in a group, you're missing out on life-changing stuff. You're missing out on life-changing stuff that happens in your kitchen. I mean, in your living room. It's just awesome. Imagine how different your life would be if you saw your parents do that. If you saw your dad in there with other guys trying to do it right. You know, I I got to spend Saturday evening with uh, with John Spencer, Chris Spencer, uh, uh, Peter Revizzo, Roland Weber. Steve was sick, and we had this time for little Chris Spencer on his 13th birthday. We had a a little football game with me and Roland. By the way, thank you, Roland, for being my partner. Roland is a true ex-athlete warrior. Um, going on 50, and he, I, I just kept sending him on long pass routes. And his carotid artery was pumping so hard on his neck, I thought it was going to burst. And I'm just glad he didn't die that day. Uh, but we had a great two-on-two. Uh, our team lost to John and Chris's team on our last, last touchdown to win the game. I'm glad he did. I was really trying to beat him, because that's what kids like best when they get beat by older men. <laughs> so I really tried to win, and uh, we lost, and it hurt that much more. Uh, so we had dinner, and we got to give them gifts. And Roland gave him a gift on what it meant to be a servant. And he gave him a, a picture of a cross that Teresa had designed. And Roland thought of it, of course. But Teresa is the architect there. And she put together a thing about being a servant. And Peter gave him a little bracelet about, about the different names of God. And, says, and he gave him his advice on what to do in life. 
And I gave him a little a, fl- uh, a flask that had oil and vinegar. And although they exist together, they do not mix. I said, choose your friends wisely. You know, these are kind of moments you have that you would not just get from filling a, a row in church. It's more than just coming to church. It's more meaningful to, to get one of your kids who you've seen grow up and say, hey, here's, this is my advice for you. You know, I can't wait to do that with Jaden. I can't wait for, the, for Karen to do that with Juliana and the girls. And give them their advice. And you, you sit around and you see like Alice and Katie and all the, all the girls who, who've known Juliana. Give her advice. And, and Laura, you know, all the girls get together and say, hey, let me give you some input on, on your future. This is what it does. When we decide to take it from Sunday to Monday. You know, our kids, my children, understand that I'm a, I'm a part of a, an accountability group. When there's trauma in the house, when Karen is not submitting to me, just kidding. <laughs> when I'm overstepping my boundaries, when I'm going commando, everyone, you know, when I'm just, when I just lost my edge, you know, and I, and I just start arguing and I'm prideful and I'm resistant and Karen and I are fighting over where's the remote, whatever reason. My kids know one thing. They ask us a question. Are you going to call somebody? Are you going to call the Revisos? Are you going to call the Burns? Are you going to call somebody? And they say it very loving. Not like, they're like, hey, are you guys going to get help? They understand what we're committing ourselves to. And they're blessed because of it because they know at the end of the day, they know it's going to work out mom and dad. Because they're going to go and help and then it's going to come back and usually they get, a, they get an apology and then everything's restored. That is what it does. You do not get that by just sitting in a row at church. So that's my point of the assumption is that there is more value sitting here than more value than putting it into practice. That assumption is wrong. It's what you put into practice is what God elevates to the highest order. Wise man. James says, do it. So, but don't do this alone. I want you to bridge the gap. Re-engage your group. Or if you're visiting with us, I want to encourage you to find some like-minded people in this fellowship today. They will find you. They already know who you are if you're visiting. We know who's visiting. Because we're such a close-knit family. We have someone visiting today. This is awesome. They'll engage you. So, please, join us in our journey. Not just to fill rows, but to really change our lives. Thank you so much. Love you guys.